I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Let's go to our resident historian now. Dr. Grant Morris joins us once a fortnight on Thursday. Hi there, Grant. Hi, Jesse. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. And I was uh, teasing your appearance with Catherine Ryan today. She seemed a little surprised that we were still talking about Robert Muldoon all these years <laughs> later. But there is a topical reason for uh, for discussing him today. Yeah, when um, Grant Robertson announced his retirement from politics last week, he got some praise from uh, some of his supporters and, and uh, some criticism from others. And, and, and some compared him to his role as finance, finance minister to Robert Muldoon, and not in a good way. Uh, that was coming from the critics. And it's a very common thing that you hear in uh, New Zealand, both from historians and non-historians, to blame a lot of our ills in New Zealand, both past uh, and present on the nine-year rule of Robert Muldoon. So I thought today, given he's been in the news in relation to Grant Robertson, we'll find out a little bit about whether it's justified or not. Okay. So when you talk about the blaming, what are you talking about exactly? Yeah, so in this particular context, it's we're talking about Muldoon's role as finance minister now. Of course, he controversially took the role of both prime minister and finance minister from 1975 to 1984. So uh, sometimes it's hard to separate the two as to which hat he's got on. But we'll be focusing really on his decisions as finance minister today. And uh, these are what I went through today, and I may have missed some. I'm happy to to hear our listeners um, uh, add some to the list. I, I came up with my big three. So the big three economic things that he's ba- he's blamed for, um, yeah. and, and then we can do maybe a quick comparison to Grant by, by the time I was politically cognizant in the sort of early 1980s, think big was already a punchline in New Zealand. Mm, yeah, and that story you just sent through before um, from a few years ago on, on Radio New Zealand was great about how it just became a you know, uh, a, a phrase for waste of money and, and you know, grand schemes which, um, you know, uh, were a waste of time or, or a bad use of money. And yet the, you know, the article and, and, and many commentators actually in more recent times have said, well, actually, thing big, which was the idea to um, build local energy infrastructure um, so we were less reliant on overseas sources. And this is in the context of the oil price shocks of the 1970s. Um, the idea was, you know, we'd go out there and we'd become more self-sufficient. So you get the methanol plant at Waipara and the synthetic petrol plant at Motunui, um, expansion of Marsden Point, Clyde Dam. So you get all of these things happening. And it was very costly. Uh, it needed a lot of borrowing. Interest rates were high. Uh, it meant running bigger deficits and getting into debt. So that kind of debt deficit spiral was exacerbated by Think Big, and hence, 
you know, why people refer to it as this big waste of money. And yet, when you look at some of those, some of those things that were done, you know, not only have they been useful and, and some still remain, but also if you look at it at the time, you could see that there was a good rationale for, for trying to do something, even if it wasn't necessarily successful. What about reason number two? What else is he remembered for? Mm, it's pretty much downhill for him, Jesse. Yeah, so the next one, and this is this is one which um, uh, really was most unfortunate. Uh, when Muldoon and National came in 1975, they campaigned very clearly, uh, very robustly on scrapping the previous or the Labor government's recently introduced compulsory superannuation scheme. And the way that was set up that was set up by the Kirk government uh, was that it would be similar in a way to, say, what the Australians have today. And you know, some commentators say that if we'd kept it, if Muldoon and National hadn't scrapped it, we could have approximately $500 billion in our individual retirement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like KiwiSaver on steroids. Yeah. Um, but we didn't. It was scrapped. And that was the infamous Stance and Cossacks ad about you know, Labor being too... Socialist in the, in the view of, of um, Muldoon and National, but and this is this is the this is the main point I want to make today is, yeah, okay, you can blame Muldoon and National for scrapping that scheme, which would have been of huge benefit today. But you know they very clear in their campaigning that they were going to do so, and they won that election fairly comfortably. And so the question is, well, who who has to share most of the blame? Is it just Muldoon who tends to get the blame, or do we actually have to look at the voters and say, well? It's a democracy. You knew what you're voting for. It's you know it's a bit unfair mm. to blame it just on one person. People might see parallels in the uh, current discussion taking place about the uh, the dramatic action taking place in Wellington. Although I suppose they didn't have MMP uh, in 1975, and so uh, I guess they knew exactly which party and which policies they were voting for, rather than um, you know rather than a sort of a, yeah, a coalition yeah. agreement after the fact. Yeah, I mean, I've always wondered as well, and I didn't have time to really look into this, is why Labor didn't bring it back in 1984? Because even with just a break of nine years, um, they, you know, Roger Douglas was one of the architects of the nine, of 1974 scheme. Uh, and then there'll be, you know, you can pretty much guess what the reasons were, but it has always wondered me why Labor didn't take the opportunity nine yeah. years later just to bring well, it Roger back. Well, Roger Douglas had a 100-day plan of his own. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think had plenty of other things to do. In yeah. fact, I think he was disappointed he didn't go uh, far enough uh, in that period between 84 and 87. Anyway, that's a conversation for another time. You had another reason as well why Muldoon is blamed for a lot of our economic woes. Yeah, and this was a price and wage freeze from um, 1982 till Muldoon was voted out of office in 1984. So this was this interventionist attempt to halt the inflation that had just gone crazy. And again, you know, you could see what, what the government, and Muldoon in particular, who anyways was the government, um, what he was trying to do is just trying to, you know, the inflation and interest rates were, were out of control. He was saying, well, let's put a cap on it. But of course, all that's doing is a superficial uh, kind of cap and not solving the underlying causes. And I suppose when some of the critics were, you know, were saying, well, maybe Grant Robertson's legacy will be like Muldoon, you know, they were looking at things like inflation, debt, interest rates, and saying, well, maybe there's, you know, an analogy here. Yeah, uh, you see that as a more clear-cut one than, than something like Think Big, which arguably, with the benefit of distance, looks at least arguable, if not 100% beneficial. 
Yeah, and I think with the scrapping of this compulsory super and the price and wage freeze, they were short-term thinking. It was very reactive, whereas Think Big was actually long-term thinking. It's just that it didn't necessarily work out the way in which uh, you know Muldoon hoped. Okay. Any other reasons? Well, there are, you know, Muldoon also gets blamed for a lot of social division. You know, you think of the Dawn Raids in 1981 too, uh, but that's really, not really in the financial uh, jurisdiction that we're talking about today. So, you know, if we're making the comparison to, um, you know, present day or recent finance ministers will, you know, stick to the finance ones today. Um, so and what, can, what can we learn from this then, Grant? What can we learn from this historical analysis? I think it's very easy to blame everything on politicians. <laughs> uh, and we do, you know, it's not just us lay people or voters who do it. You know, present government blames past government and they blame the past government and, uh, and on, on it goes. But I think as long as policies are made clear in an election, then some of that responsibility has to be on voters. But if the policies are not made clear, and you made a good also a point about MMP where you don't actually quite know who's going to be in the mix, mm. then it's not you know then it's probably more on the politicians. Um, but you know at the end of the day, we're a democracy, and we, we make our votes. And and if you're one of the voters and your government gets in, well then you're probably going to take some responsibility. And if your government, if your people didn't get in, well that's democracy. <laughs> it's it's just a, you know it's the way we operate, and it's it's not perfect. Uh, but I don't think you can just it, you know, on the people at the top. Thanks, Grant. Uh, great session. Really appreciate it. Dr. Grant Morris, Thank you. our resident historian, looking at the legacy of the financial legacy of Robert Muldoon. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.